Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Out of the gates and ready to go. Outkick 360 is underway. The Wednesday edition is here. Hunt and Withrow with you. Six in the Peabody, our location with Ehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Jam-packed show. Next three hours is going to be a lot of fun. Trey Wallace from Outkick.com. He's covering the SEC tournament here in Nashville. He'll join us in studio in 20 minutes. Bobby Carpenter joins us in hour number two. Plus Clay Travis. Every Wednesday in the final hour of the program. Chad is extremely excited because he's more wealthy right now than he was about an hour ago. He hit a parlay on a last second three. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. It got a little tight there for a little bit with my demon deacons, but Wake Forest (laughs) buries a three with 0.2 seconds left to bury Syracuse and maybe bury the career of Jim Boeheim based on his postgame comments that sounded more like a farewell speech. That's what it sounds like. Bayheim is is retiring, but does it feel like he wants to? I don't think it does, based on comments he made earlier this season about where college basketball is and what he hopes it becomes, and the fact that he's, you know, forty plus years in the coaching business at Syracuse. You know, there's there's times when it's just time, right? It's time. I, I'm not here trying to force a legend in his profession out the door and tell someone when they need to retire. But I think everyone could look around Syracuse the last few years and say, yeah, probably time for a new direction. Probably time for new leadership, a new voice. That's, I think, definitely the time right now for Syracuse. Chad Lamar Jackson, we know the Ravens tagged him during the show yesterday with a non-exclusive tag. That means he's getting $32 million. And it also means if he doesn't play for the Ravens, the team he signs with on an offer sheet, which the non-exclusive tag allows, will allow him to go to said team under a new contract. That team will give up two first-round picks. But they could have used the exclusive tag and chose not to. The Ravens sending a message, and they're being very smart with this. I'll explain why. But Eric DaCosta, the general manager, John Harbaugh, the head coach, right after the season said, 200% chance Lamar is back. He's in our plans. He's our franchise quarterback. We need him here. And now they slap the non-exclusive tag on him and allow him to negotiate with other teams. But almost, this, is, this feels like Roger's announcement from a year ago yesterday, where he says he's back, and then within the hour, Russell Wilson's traded to the Denver Broncos. The trade was done if Rodgers wasn't going there. Well, we know the non-exclusive tag was, was on Lamar Jackson yesterday, and within the hour, reports come out, like the one from Phil Yates, that says that teams aren't interested in going after or pursuing a contract for Lamar Jackson. The Falcons, the Dolphins, the Panthers, the Commanders, the Raiders. So you mean to tell me that every offseason, when teams say we turn over every rock, we evaluate every facet of our organization, Within an hour of the decision to slap the non-exclusive tag on a former MVP, 
who was 8-4 and four as the starter last year for a franchise that went 2-4 and four down the stretch without him. They're not going to at least pick up the phone and negotiate or talk contract with Lamar Jackson versus any other option. When you think about who the good quarterbacks are in the NFL, he's one of them. Good or bad, not great. Not I'm not trying to overanalyze the different ways to describe. Let's just say good or bad. How many are good versus bad? There are not 32 starting quality quarterbacks in the NFL. So when you have the opportunity to acquire one, you do. Except in this case, where the NFLPA sent out a memo to the media that said, we're going to watch this for collusion between owners. Because we know what Lamar Jackson wants, the fully guaranteed contract that Deshaun Watson received. The Ravens offered him a contract that was over the final amount that Watson signed. The problem with that is 68% of it was fully guaranteed. So instead of regurgitating the $250 million plus, it was really like $130 million. And I get it. It's a lot of money. I would sign it. Any other position should sign it. But when we're discussing what quarterbacks receive versus the other main players, the superstars in other leagues, look at that money versus what those guys are getting and what those guys should earn based on being the face of the franchise and the most important position in sports. Lamar Jackson's one of those guys. I want him to dig in and get this. But there absolutely is collusion. The problem with the NFLPA is they have no power. I read that statement and I think, eh, whatever. Because if the owners are going to block this, they, there's nothing that they can really do about it or prove that they are colluding together to not hand out another contract the same way Jimmy Haslam did. There has to be one owner like Jimmy Haslam, one other guy that's willing to step up and do this. Can Jeff Bezos hurry up and buy the Commanders? The Commanders would, I mean, pair him with Eric Bieniemy. Eric Bieniemy becomes the head coach. Pair him with so many other offenses. Miami comes to mind. The Dolphins have also said they're moving forward with Tua. Now, they don't have a first-round pick this year, so they can't go through Lamar. They've got to go through the Ravens um, in order to actually get things going. That's got to be after the draft. But, Chad, yes, there's been collusion. And I think the fact that Lamar Jackson does not have an agent right now, it's hurting him for the first time. I don't think it's hurt him. I think he's played this perfectly until now where the Ravens have said, hey, you're going to get 32 instead of 45. That's the difference. There's a $12 million difference in the two, in the two tags. The Ravens are saying you're getting 32 million or negotiate with someone else. We have the chance to match it or we're getting two first round picks. And then you have every team, practically every team, that makes sense for Lamar Jackson saying, yeah, we're out. We're not in the business of negotiating. We're not even calling him. That's what they're saying. That's ridiculous. But at the same time, it's a brilliant business move by Baltimore in the one card they could play. Derek Carr just got signed, right? Or he's going to the Saints. He had multiple offers and interest. At least two. As, as a free multiple, agent. Multiple, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, he yeah, probably right. could have decided between an entire division. You're right. Right? There's an entire division, sure. the NFC South, in need of a quarterback, and he had offers. Is Lamar Jackson better or worse than Derek Carr? He's quite a bit better. He's a, he's a former league MVP. He is quite a bit better than Derek Carr. So do I believe that collusion has taken place here? Absolutely. I believe collusion has taken place. I also believe it has nothing to do or nothing against Lamar Jackson. 
this was going to happen to the next great quarterback that came available in free agency that needed a contract because of what happened with Cleveland and Deshaun Watson. This was going to be the next step. This is a strikeout against the Cleveland Browns and not Lamar Jackson. It negatively impacts Lamar Jackson. No doubt about it. But this is every owner doing exactly what we know was in their brains when the Browns gave guaranteed money throughout to Deshaun Watson. They hated it. They loved the current setup. They have the power over the NFLPA. They have the situation exactly where they want. They make the money. Contracts aren't fully guaranteed. They can cut bait and move on. They can do all these things and still make billions as team owners. Lamar Jackson was the next really good to great quarterback to come up that we knew this was going to be the case study moving forward if he was going to get that guaranteed money. And every other owner, not named Jimmy Haslam, got together and said, we're not doing it. This guy, we know, talking to ownership in Baltimore, this guy wants a fully guaranteed contract on par with Deshaun Watson or better. He may deserve that based on Deshaun Watson's contract, but every other owner is saying, don't look at Deshaun Watson's contract. Look at every other contract well, that's been done before that, and we're comparing to that. And as long as this is your demand, we're not going to talk to you. It is collusion. It's unfortunate for Lamar Jackson. It's also very, very predictable based on the way we knew the owners reacted to that Watson guaranteed contract. But owners want to win, Jack. And here's what the Ravens are doing. They've offered him, on average, $50 million per year. But again, only 68% of that original contract from last year, reportedly, is, is guaranteed. What the, what the Browns gave up, keep in mind, this is two first-round picks plus the contract for Lamar. The Browns, outside of the fully guaranteed money that they gave Watson, also gave up three first-round picks, a third-round pick, and two fourth-round picks to Houston in exchange for Deshaun Watson. So you mean to tell me that there's not a team out there, a per reports, the, the, the quarterback-needy teams that fit what Jackson would bring. They're not even saying, hey, we're not in for the fully guaranteed money. We're not interested in Lamar Jackson for two first-round picks compared to what we saw handed out to Deshaun Watson a year ago. That's ridiculous. And that screams collusion. And this is why he needs an agent, because the agent can do this, the, the talk for him through the media because right now, the only reporting going on is through the teams, not through the player. There's no spokesman for Lamar Jackson because he represents himself and he doesn't talk about this. I think that's benefited him until now. He needs someone out front on his behalf, making sure that if there are teams calling, it's leaked and what the money is. It's time to negotiate against Baltimore because right now, the media is on Baltimore side based on how this is going. Is there collusion? Sure. But the NFLPA is so weak. It's the weakest players association right now in the major sports compared to the money we're seeing elsewhere. Um, yeah, he doesn't have much of a shot right now other than taking the deal that Baltimore offered him last year. I agree. It's a with, smart move by the Ravens. I agree with most everything you're saying. I do think owners want to win. I think what they want more than wins is to keep the system that they've had that makes them a ton of money in place. And in offering him a fully guaranteed contract on par yeah. with Deshaun Watson, this is, this is where they've colluded. Every other owner's gotten together and say, if you do this, 
If Baltimore does it, so Baltimore says no, mm-hmm. we're all backing that. And in backing that, we will not pursue Lamar Jackson. That's collusion. But this is how we fight back against Jimmy Haslam, the Browns, the guaranteed contract. Because guys, when they get into a room, guys and gals, all 32 of them, what they're going to say is, we're all competitive in here. We all want to win Super Bowls. We want to beat each other. But at the end of the day, we are a member of a 32-person club. And that 32-person club cannot lose. We have long-term, immense profitability. For the next 40 years, your kids (laughs) will be making so much money. But to protect that, we can't become the NBA. We can't become Major League Baseball. We have to control contracts, how they're set out. They can't be fully guaranteed. We have to stop this right now. I do believe that owners want to win. I think what they want more than wins is money. And they want to make sure that that money-making system is set up for eternity if wanna, they can. I want to say this, though. In and this the, is one way to do it. In the 30 years of the non-exclusive franchise tag, only one NFL team has given up two first-round picks in exchange for signing a player off of a roster. It was Sean Gilbert, who went from the Redskins to the Panthers. This is unprecedented, though, with the quarterback, a franchise guy that you don't let loose. You allow him to negotiate with other teams and you're willing to receive two first-round picks if you can't match it. It's different than a defensive tackle. By the way, Gilbert produced the following year for Carolina, but Washington chose not to match it. That's the only example we have. So it doesn't happen. But we also don't see quarterbacks like this on the market in this scenario. Chad, we are not going to see Miramac in the NCAA tournament, even though they won their conference. So I joked yesterday, I said, hey, there's a conference championship game tonight against a school I've never even heard of in Division One in Merrimack. Well, there's a reason why. I do my research on the Merrimack Warriors in North Andover, Massachusetts, and I find out that it's an Augustinian uh, Catholic school. Okay. Very small, affordable, private school. That's one thing I didn't know. They joined the NCAA Division One ranks in 2019-2020. So they are uh, serving their fourth year of what the NCAA calls their transition period. And in that transition period, Hutton, you cannot compete in any NCAA tournament. So here's little old Merrimack. They win the regular season Northeast Conference Championship, and then they go on to win the conference tournament. And Fairleigh Dickinson is your representative in the NCAA tournament in the Northeast Conference, for the Northeast Conference in the Big Dance. Here it is, guys. Look, don't do this. Go all in or go all out. Why a transition period? Who cares? If you're going to add Merrimack to the Northeast Conference, do they really have to serve a four-year transition period in order to join your ranks? They're probably going to be bad when you're moving up the ranks anyways. Let them play. Let them be eligible. This isn't going to happen all that often, but let them be eligible for the tournament. This is so stupid. I'm watching the end of this game, and I spent some time yesterday talking about this is true drama this week. You can get in a week early before the NCAA tournament and get into some drama in small conference championship games where it is do or die. And it means the world to these teams just to go to the big dance. Doesn't even really matter what they do there sometimes. They just want to go and play against the big boys. And I'm watching this game go down to the wire between Merrimack and Fairleigh Dickinson. And I'm thinking to myself, it does not even matter. And the game is at Merrimack. They're cutting down the nets. 
in their home gym. They just won the conference tournament. They should be going to the big dance. Instead, they're headed to their offseason because of a stupid NCAA transition period rule. I hate it so much. I hate it for Fairleigh Dickinson, who is now going to the tournament not having won the regular season or their conference tournament. And they get an automatic bid. Automatic. They could keep a team like Vandy out of the tournament, Jack. Fairleigh Dickinson. Well, not winning their tournament. I know it's automatic. Well, bid, yeah, but it, would, it would have been. It, they're not going to because it would have been won either way. The uh, Merrimack or Fairleigh Dickinson. I'm just. It's just. It reminds me of James Madison in football. Yeah, it's just. They couldn't go to a bowl game. It's antithetical to everything that we love about March, in a one and done scenario. Fairleigh Dickinson went to that game last night knowing they were going dancing, even though they're playing for a conference so championship. When we expand, I say when, not if. When we expand to 90 plus teams in the tournament, is this rule still in place? You think? I don't know that. Uh, probably because but it, that, it doesn't oh. make any sense now. Yeah, they'll just keep it. So the transition period is because of they want to make sure that these these programs are living up to whatever the Division One expectations are. For instance, whenever Middle Tennessee State went Division One, whenever I was in college a long time ago, they had to meet a thirty thousand seat requirement average for attendance or whatever. That they had to be able to fit thirty thousand people into their stadium. There's no requirement for that anymore. So now they're renovating and reducing the size. I don't know what the requirements are now, but it's not like it but used to here's, be. So here's my they idea. built a stadium they didn't need in order to join Division One. It's great if you, if you want to give the exclusion to the contract that if you don't do a certain amount of things in four years, right. you get kicked out. You know who you don't have to worry about doing that? The teams that make the NCAA tournament in the first four years. The, whatever they're doing is working. Whatever facilities Merrimack has in basketball is working to be the best yeah. in the Northeast Conference by year four. So you're just penalizing a program that is doing what they should do because they're beating the teams that have been in Division One for years already. So why punish them for that? It's stupid. It makes no sense, like a lot of NCAA rules. All teams in the SEC are eligible for the tournament right now the automatic bid. Trey Wallace is covering the SEC tournament, which tips off later today, uh, later this evening. He's in town. He joins us in studio next on Outkick 360. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back and their pros are locally based often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation 
are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Better game tonight, Chad, to open up the SEC tournament. Ole Miss, South Carolina, or LSU and Georgia? Based on, I looked this up, based on Vegas point spreads. Yes. Um, Ole Miss is a bigger favorite over South Carolina in the 12-13 game. Okay. LSU is the 14 seed as a favorite over the 11 seed Georgia. By two and a half. I think it's six and a half. Ole Miss is favorite or five and a half. And LSU, the 14, the last seed, is a two and a half point favorite over the 11 seed. SEC tournament in Nashville but, tips off this evening. And then which, it really which game is going, better, Hutton? I don't care. Yeah, tomorrow. <laughs> to answer your question personally, really don't care. Uh, tomorrow, uh, the games are better, where we'll see Tennessee and Vandy get the winners of each game tonight. Trey Wallace of Outkick.com covers the SEC for us, and he joins us in studio here at 6 of the Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Trey, great to see you, man. Guys, love the setup. Enjoying it. This is a uh, this is a really cool place, actually. I mean, nice I've been here before, but never in the studio. This is awesome. It's nice and intimate in here. That's yeah. what we like to describe it. Very oh, up it. close and personal. Won't be like that for the next couple of days at Bridgestone. Oh. Going to be very open. How many teams have a legitimate chance of winning this tournament this weekend? I would think like probably four. I think four teams probably have a chance. What's the average on a given year? Three, two, probably two. I would think two to three. You agree, Chad? I would go higher than that. I mean, I, I think I think most years you've got. Maybe five or six that could win it. Okay, I, I I think I think Trey's probably on about four, four or five this year that could win it. Yeah. It's a weird year in the SEC, Trey. Well, because I think I think Arkansas has a shot. They're going to play Auburn tomorrow night. I think Tennessee has a shot with their defense. Yeah. Obviously Kentucky, so that's three. Bama four, A and M five. We saw what A&M did last year. Yep. My biggest thing is who's going to be A&M this season, as like we got in Tampa, where A&M got on a roll last season, made it to the championship game, lost to Tennessee. Who's going to be that team starting tonight or even tomorrow? Because I don't think anybody tonight is going to make a run. Well, so Vanderbilt, right? I'll bring them up. They've won eight out of nine. The only game they lost, Trey, in the last month and a half was to last-placed LSU. Uh, at LSU at recently, LSU. who yeah. they may yeah. end up getting tomorrow to open their their conference tournament, but there's no team hotter. They also just lost Liam Robbins for the season. What do you make of Vanderbilt and their chances to make a run here and really cement their status into the NCAA tournament if they win a couple games? See, I'm thinking they need to win two games. If they can win, if they can get two, they're going to put a really good case in front of the NCAA because they will have beaten Kentucky, right? Because they would have Again. beaten Kentucky, yes, and and that's the big one because if Kentucky doesn't have Case and Wallace, not going to have Xavier Wheeler, you know, CJ Frederick. I don't know how if he's going to play more minutes because he played 15 last weekend. So if Vanderbilt can win two, I think that gives them a really good shot of getting in the tournament. I think right now you look at it, and I'm what if I'm not mistaken, it's nine out of ten. Um, mm-hmm. That they've won right now, and you look at it. That's why Stackhouse was coach of the year, co-coach of the year with Buzz Williams. So now you look at Vanderbilt and what they've been able to do. Man, you don't drop that game to LSU. I think we're having a conversation right now that Vanderbilt's probably potentially maybe the last four in, just because of the teams that they have beaten. So I, I I think that look Vanderbilt, if they can carry it over to Bridgestone, and we've seen Vanderbilt teams in the past play good inside Bridgestone Arena. So if they can carry it over, I think if they can win two games. That starts to get things rolling. You knock Kentucky out. I think that's the big one where it's like, okay, all right, we think this Vanderbilt team might be good enough. So it's going to be very interesting to see what Stackhouse and them do, especially without Liam Robbins. I mean, you you know, he, he messes up his ankle. I think it was his ankle or his Achilles, and, you know, you hate to see that. But 
What did they do on Saturday? Went out beat Mississippi State at home. So we'll see. Well, so this is where the the chat about the net rankings comes in for me with Vandy. Yep. Because there are those in one side of the argument that want, okay, how do how does the team look right now? Yep. And Vandy's got a great argument for that. They you you want to reward teams who improve and come together as a team over the course of a season. I get that argument. Yeah. At the same time, you do play in November and December as well. And we've seen that record. And if you want to seed down Tennessee because they don't have their full arsenal, right? how can you reward a team at the end of the year when you're not going to reward Tennessee for the full season? That I don't know how you do both if you're on the committee. It's one or the other. And to me, if you're following the net, you're not following... I don't have a clue how you go about evaluating different scenarios given the circumstances of each team and how you seed them. Well, I, I mean, I look at, I mean, I look at Tennessee. It's okay. They don't have Zakai Ziggler anymore, but you saw what they were able to do as a team earlier in the year with some of the games that they had won. I mean, he, you know, even that exhibition game against Gonzaga, I mean, that was a highly contested game. I know people aren't going to look at that and the committee's not going to look at that because it was an exhibition. Uh, it but, wasn't even highly contested. Tennessee blew them out. Right. That's what I'm getting at. Like, <laughs> they, uh, they scored over a hundred points, I think, and won the game by 20 or 30. Yeah. So you look at what they have done. During the season, and they went on that stretch. You know, they can't win a road game, and and you know, but then they lose Zakai three minutes into the Arkansas game, and then they just destroy Arkansas. Yeah. But then they go on the road, and they can't win on the road because their shooting goes bad, and they get beat by Auburn. They it's like, a game where they were playing okay until right. the last six or seven minutes, where they don't score for yeah. the last seven minutes of the game and, and, and lose. And that's what's going to get Tennessee. Obviously, as we've seen in years past, the scoring droughts are going to get Tennessee. If they can't figure out a way to shore that up and somebody is able to stabilize the offense. So, I, so, so going back to your point, looking at the wins and losses, Vanderbilt, Tennessee, and how that goes forward. I mean, let's not forget, Alabama beat Vanderbilt 101-44. Yes. All of a sudden, I mean, that's 67-point loss. All of a sudden, Vanderbilt goes on a roll, and that's, and that's great. Good for them. They made it run towards the end, but we can't forget about the loss to Grambling. We can't forget about – so I, they have to weigh these things out. And i that's why I thought it was interesting that Stackhouse got coach of the year or co-coach of the year. Yeah, and Trey, to your point, Vanderbilt's 82nd in the net ranking. Right. Okay? Yeah. Alabama's second, Tennessee's third. Mm-hmm. Yes. So people might say, well, Vandy and Tennessee split. You know, how, what's the discrepancy? Well, Vandy is 9-3 and three against quad three and quad four teams. Yep. Tennessee is 12-0. and 0. Against quad three and quad four teams. Tennessee has no truly bad losses. They're seven and six, which is a lot of wins against quad one. They're seven and six against quad one, three and three against quad two. And that really is the difference. And aren't we supposed to be looking at this now, Trey? At least what the NCAA is telling us is that whether it's in mid-November or early March, it's the same. It's all about body of work, and we're not looking at last 10 and all of that now. I, I, well, I it better that be. I mean, it better be because what are we doing scheduling all these big-time matchups in November and early December if that's not going to be the case? You know, you can, you can save yourself a lot of time and a lot of travel and having to go up against some big-name teams if we're not worried about what that's going to look like or how much they're going to factor that into the decision. So, so where it's is, back and forth. I also, is, by the way, have a real problem with the Liam Robbins part of this that Trey had mentioned, yeah. which I do think factors in, or Zakai Ziegler. No one should deduct points for you getting in the tournament or your seed line based on a late-season injury. injury. Same for which UCLA, they, which is a big – Mick Cronin's having to be vague about a possible Achilles injury saying it's day-to-day because he doesn't want to get penalized by the committee in seeding. I I think it's what you've done no matter what, and this should not be a projection. 
It should be about what you did throughout the season. But uh, we're, we're always in for a surprise, though, because there's no criteria laid out. For instance, Grambling's the worst loss on Vanderbilt's schedule, but they're first place in their conference. Right. Right. They're 20 and 8, 21 and 8 something. You just look at the name and people think it's uh, bad. Right. Right. Uh, Southern Miss is 25 and 6. They're first place in the Sun Belt. That was a, a loss for Vandy. VCU, they lost to them 23 and 7. They're first place in the A10. LSU on the road is a terrible loss. Yeah. But it's a quad like, four loss you for can, them. Yeah, but you can look at these quad and you can find teams that are first place in their conferences that are in the tournament based on automatic bids. And then you start to make your argument within the committee. I, again, I'm not advocating one way or the other, but we're, if Vandy gets in, you're going to use the alternate, the opposite argument for where Tennessee will be seated based on the team they have now compared to the team that got them here. Even if you went, and to I don't, an, I don't agree right. with that. No, even if you went to across the street at Bridgestone, it's like okay, right. so wait a minute, so we're only factoring in what you did in February. And then the first week of March, because that is exactly what it is. It's how we're you not looking for at them, right? For Vanderbilt. But wait a minute, we're seeding other teams differently because of what might have happened earlier in the season or what might happen with an injury now, or whatnot down the stretch? I will say yeah. we need to see what they do Thursday night, Friday night. Right. Right? That matters. Yes. Yeah. But they could also be the Texas A&M of this season. Right? Yeah, I, I don't – it's tough to see because they do have some good wins. I mean, Vandy's got a very yeah. impressive resume in terms of wins, especially that one recently at Rupp. But, Trey, it does feel like – if they don't beat Kentucky, it's not even just a really good close game without Liam Robbins against Kentucky. Yeah, I feel like they need to beat Kentucky. If they do that, I feel good about their chances, even if they lose to A&M the next day. Uh, do you agree? If they if they beat Kentucky, I feel really good about them getting in. I think if they, you know if they lose, it's NIT. You know, I I I don't see other teams dropping out when it. And I'm I'm not talking about the SEC. I'm talking mm-hmm. about guys teams that are on the bubble right now. So if they lose that game. You know, if they, look, if they lost them like a, a last-second shot or something like that, maybe they take that into consideration. But I think right now with, with that squad, um, it's going to come down to, to beating Kentucky and, and getting past that first one and, and, and beating Kentucky. If they can do that, I think the argument is there to be made that Vanderbilt potentially deserves to be in the, in the NCAA tournament. Trey, I don't want to spoil your future column on this, but oh, just when Ole Miss inevitably hires Chris Beard, right. so fresh <laughs> off the scandal yes. at Texas, uh, what will the theme of that column be? Uh, Ole Miss does it again, meaning they, they, they took Lane Kiffin where at times you could have made them an argument and be like, okay, we don't know if this is the right hire or not. We don't know if this is the right fit or not. For, for Ole Miss, because Lane Kiffin was, yeah, he was, he was coming off his time at Alabama. He was coming off his time at FAU, but there were still kind of questions, and I get that. And I think Lane is actually a somewhat changed man. I do. Seems Chris, that way. Chris Beard, it's a little fresh. Okay, this just happened. Like, it, it just happened a month and a half ago, like two months ago. Like, he, he, was, he was arrested, he was charged, and then the charges were – they didn't go forward with him because his fiance decided to, and I'm being very careful with my words here, decided to not prosecute. Okay, that's fine. They, they but, were dropped. They had no cooperation. But, yeah. but, but there's still that police report from the night. Okay, so you can't take back the police report. You can't take back what the fiance said to the police that night about what happened. The 911 call. Yes, the 911 call, and then the police report when they got to the scene. You can't, there's no denying that. So, Ole Miss can say, well, okay, he wasn't charged. They didn't go forward. 
We've looked into his background. Uh, we've we've spoken with the fiance about this. We think he is okay. Like we think he's good to go. If Ole Miss is ready to go out on that limb and say that and do that, okay, then they're going to hire Chris Beard. Because what I think what I think these reports are because Chris Beard was on campus this past weekend. This is nothing new. We're sitting here on a Wednesday, and reports are coming out about Chris Beard. He's already spoken with Ole Miss numerous times. So what I think today was I think today was a. Um, I think it was a feeling out of of what the reaction is like publicly, nationally. I'm not talking about message boards and whatnot. I'm talking about nationally, publicly, what it is and how's that how how is the nation feeling that out right now mm-hmm. with Chris Beard and Ole Miss. I do think that they they want to go forward with him if he's truthful with everything. And by now, guys, they've dug up everything they needed to dig on him. They've spoken enough with him. They've got his side of the story. Now I think it's about coming to an agreement on a contract, and I think it's also about how do they roll this out without getting a public backlash. Well, well there, there will per- be. Perfect timing Absolutely. on this. Yeah. Um, just now, Kermit Davis spoke with Michael Katz, who's with a, a paper yep. that covers Ole Miss, and said, I chatted with Kermit Davis about his tenure at Ole Miss. Asked how he'd like to be remembered. Kermit Davis says, I hope they remember us as good people. <laughs> and I just I find that very jarring the juxtaposition of Kermit Davis getting fired for not winning enough. Right. But by all accounts, by everybody who covered him or around him, they like him. Good guy. And now you're going to bring in Chris Beard. And what this also tells me, Trey, is it's a really hard place to win in basketball. Yes. And Texas Tech was a hard place to win in basketball. And Chris Beard is a really good basketball coach who can win in difficult places and win big. Well, Chris Beard, right. Chris Beard screwed Texas Tech over so much that even though that job is technically probably going to be open, uh, he's not getting hired back in Lubbock. So he's got to find the next spot. And where, what's that next spot? Is it St. John's? Would you rather be at St. John's or would you rather be in the SEC at Ole Miss? Well, let's let's just say – let's just be blunt here. Ole Miss is doing this, and the case in point that you have to point to is Brandon Miller. Yep. He's the SEC Player of the Year, SEC Freshman of the Year. The SEC stood back and didn't do anything when Alabama decided they were going to play him. And there was backlash. And how much of a story is Brandon Miller this weekend in Nashville? Are they going to be asked a lot of questions about Brandon Miller whenever Nate Oates takes the podium? He just got asked one question today. My guess is no. today, yeah. But but to the point where we're actually leading the show with it, because we were doing that for about a week and a half. I think there's going to be – see, I I kind of disagree. And and, and we will see Beard have to answer questions. Yeah. But all Ole Miss has to do is point to the DA office's statement and the very end of it it says, our office has determined the felony offense cannot be proven beyond a reasonable doubt. Quote, end quote. Like, that's all Ole Miss has to point to. I'm not saying I advocate for that. Right. But that's the world we unfortunately live in. Wins – are ahead of anything else you want to point to as a reason why you hire or don't hire a coach. And the athletic director will have to get up there and have to answer questions for about 20 minutes. If he gets through that press conference, right, everything's good. You won't hear from him again, and then Chris Beard's going to have to go on some local radio shows, explain himself. The questions are going to come out. He's going to do an interview with ESPN. You already know this, blah, blah, blah. Two months from now, won't be a story. Chris Beard will be out on the road recruiting. If, there, if it happens. And I think the Brandon Miller thing, to be honest with you guys, I think there are going to be other media members in town. You know, I, I, I'm coming in town to cover this. Yeah. I have I have questions that I haven't been able to ask because I haven't been to Tuscaloosa. Uh, I want to ask Nate Oates questions. Right. Brandon Miller, I know Brandon Miller's story. 
by now, okay, in a sense of I, I know what went down that night. You know, you see it, you read the police reports and whatnot. I'm more confused with the Alabama Communications Department and, mm-hmm. and Nate Oates. Those are the questions that I want to ask. So that's why I do think it's, you know, they're, they're walking into a hornet's nest because there are national media members that are coming into town just for Alabama, obviously, because they're top team in the, the conference, but the story is just not going uh, to disappear, and that's okay because a lot of people have not been able to ask the questions yet that they're not going to call on us via Zoom uh, that they do, and that's not, that's not a shot. That's just reality. So. So Missouri gets the four seed in a double bye. And Buzz Williams and AM, great. Great job by him. Jerry yeah. Stackhouse, great job at Vanderbilt. No, no denying that. But how on earth are their co SEC coaches of the year, Trey? And Dennis Gates isn't one of them for what he did at Missouri in year one. Yeah, I was blown away by that one because I think if you're going to go with a co coach of the year with Buzz, then I thought should have dealt with, with Dennis Gates. But could, it, it, Stackhouse, in, in, look, Jerry Stackhouse, what he did was he fixed his own problems, meaning he fixed what he was doing wrong in the first three months of the season. You go on a roll in February, you win those games, now he's coach of the year. Well, wait a minute. What the hell did he do for the first two months of the year? Like, why is that's what's confusing to me is how are you going to give him coach of the year, but then all of a sudden forget about what happened before January 31st when you're blown out by 67 points to Alabama. That's confusing. Dennis Gates has done a heck of a job at Missouri this year. I love what he has done, but even the fact that they went co-coach of the year. like, And, and I'll ask you guys this because I've been going back and forth in my head. Usually if you got the best team in, in the SEC and you got the best player and you're ranked in the top five for a good most amount of the year and you're the number one team in the tournament, usually that's where coach of the year honors are going mm-hmm. to Nate Oates. He didn't get it. Buzz Williams got it. Along with Jerry Stackhouse, that tell. I think we know why. That's Nato's a little didn't get it. right. Exactly. That's and it's a, the same reason Brandon Miller, quite frankly, shouldn't have got it either. But he's eligible to play, and he's the best player. Yes. So I guess he should have got it since he played the whole season. Right. But I agree. I, yeah, yeah. No kidding. Right. But I agree. I agree with you on Gates. I did find it interesting that they decided to go the co route because um, you could really could just hand that to Buzz Williams and said, "Hey, man, hell of a job this year. Coach of the year. Get it. Go." And we know who the player of the year, and that's Brandon Miller. And there's no arguing that. Brandon Miller is the player of the year. But, I, I, you know, the coach of the year thing, you know, it's kind of a sham. If you're going to give him player of the year, Brandon Miller, you might as well give Nate Oates coach of the year. Trey Wallace, you can check him out with all the coverage at Outkick.com of the SEC tournament and all the SEC headlines. He's got you covered there at the site. And uh, you've got coverage each day through Sunday. Yeah, we're here. So uh, looking forward to it uh, tonight, you know. Two, two interesting games, whatever. It Both, sets up the it sets, it up the sets tournament. Up, it sets up the tournament. So uh, we'll have you covered at I'll Kick. Uh, you know, uh, uh, coverage all day through Sunday, through Championship Sunday, and then we don't stop. We roll in right into to Selection Sunday uh, that night, and uh, yeah, we'll have you covered at Outkick.com. Check out all the writing, all the articles. Y'all show, uh, I look forward to doing it. We've got a great couple of days of basketball ahead. Yeah, Trey will be checking in. Uh, Trey Wallace podcast up. Trey Wallace podcast. To, yeah, watch, the listen to as well. Yep. Outkick.com. Coming up, primary complaint. We air our top grievance of the week next on Outkick 360.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Outkick 360 rolls on. Got Bobby Carpenter and Clay Travis later in today's show. Six in the Peabody location with Eha Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Each Wednesday at this time, primary complaint. It's time to air our top grievance of the week. You can complain all you want. My job is so unfulfilling. Don't run away from your feelings. It's time for Primary Complaint on Outkick 360. Andrew Voorhees from USC. Excellent offensive lineman. First team All-American. Pac-12's best offensive lineman this past season. Tears his ACL on Sunday. And then does the bench press anyway on Monday. And I commend him for this. You know, most guys, you tear your ACL at the combine. You bounce because... You know you're not going to get drafted as high as you would. He did 38 reps of the bench press, 225 pounds. That's great. But it's not some athletic feat because he tore his ACL. And the media hype behind this, I just don't understand. He wasn't bench pressing with his legs. It was all upper body. And thinking about this, I think back to Phillip Rivers continuing to play on a torn ACL in an actual NFL game at quarterback. That is impressive. 225. Benching as an offensive lineman, 38 is a good number, but it's not because he tore his ACL and he's to be commended for it. I like him, but I hate the coverage of it. That's my primary complaint. So I went to the movies last night. I took in Creed 3, a couple of terrific performances. I'll get to the review a little bit later. But right now, for my primary complaint, I'd like to get into the review of the current state of the movie theater experience out by where I live. And it's not a bad place where I live. It's a very common theater set up right now where we don't have enough people working in the movie theater to provide a good experience to the theater. You have to buy your ticket at the concession. And then when you buy your concessions, you better get there in plenty of time and early because there's about two high school kids that are working the entire concession area. They're popping the popcorn. They're pouring the drinks. They're cooking the hot dogs. They're doing everything. And they're taking your order. So they have to take your order for the ticket. you got to pick out your seat at this movie theater I'm out. Then they have to take your order. They have to ask if you have reward points, and they have to run that through. Then they have to go get your food and all your concessions and come back. Meanwhile, there's a line forming behind me, and this is on a Tuesday night. That is not helping people get back to the movie theater. Tom Cruise and Top Gun Maverick help people get back to the movie theater. This experience is not. What else is not helping me back to the movie theater is that I can hear a damn musical playing in the theater next to me over silent, dramatic parts of my movie. (laughs) If the movie next to you is that loud that you can't enjoy the one you're in a huge theater watching, that too is a problem. Look, I love the movies, but we have to be better. From an experience standpoint, if people are legitimately going to come back in droves, this is my primary complaint. 
Was the musical any good? I don't know. I think it was Matilda the musical, I Ugh. believe, or something like that. But Chad, it was, Chad recognized who knows? it. Hard yeah. pass. Guys, my primary complaint is when a business that fr- people frequent like on a daily basis and they have recurring customers come and they close for no reason whatsoever, they don't let you know. That's my primary complaint. For example, the gym I go to last Wednesday decided, hey, we got to shut down. Yet they do not take the time to, they have my cell, they have my email to send out a message saying, hey, we're not going to be open for the remainder of the evening. Instead, what they did was they posted a reel on Instagram. How am I going to know to check your Instagram (laughs) that you're closed? And it just so happened that I had to drive through a hurricane to get there. This isn't a quick trip for me. I also took a huge amount of pre-workout. And that was, that was rough on top of that. So then we're having to drive back through that. And I know you're, if you're watching this, you're probably thinking, this guy goes to the gym. Listen, Rome wasn't built in a day. This is a, this is a process. A, yeah. We're getting there, all sure. right? So I, I at least have the wherewithal on Friday night when the power is out throughout the majority of Nashville. I about make the same mistake. I get in my car, and as I'm pulling out of the driveway, I check, wait, they might be closed. I didn't get a message this go around, but I did check Instagram, and they were, in fact, closed again. I, I'm just now a mad, this is a great complaint, and it's ridiculous of this gym to not do it. The gym that I was a member at for a while, they would always text. You get an automatic text that says, like, we're closed today for a pipe burst or for winter weather or for lack of staff or whatever it may be. But I'm now laughing at Davey taking all this pre-workout. Yeah, I've got a question about that Having to go home and hammer out some push-ups yes. and some squats just to get, get the pre-workout loose, you know, because he took so much before he was lifting some weights. Best value in professional sports, the USFL. Tickets officially on sale. You can go to theusfl.com right now for more info. Exciting football, fun atmosphere, fan-friendly affordability. Individual game tickets as low as $10. $10 tickets. Discounted season tickets from $25 to $120. Fans can visit theusfl.com to purchase tickets for USFL games. Four hub cities this season. Detroit, Canton, Birmingham, and Memphis. And it kicks off April 15th through 16th in Memphis and in Birmingham. Full schedule at theusfl.com. Again, family-friendly pricing. What is a, uh, a huge amount of pre-workout compared to just pre-workout? You're supposed to just take one scoop. I did a scoop and a half. Okay. So, a couple of raw eggs. And, I mean, this I, is going to be a hell of a day I, in the I, gym is what I'm hearing. Well, I had to take a lot of melatonin to balance myself out. You know, you mix the uppers and the downers. It's, it's, yeah. a, it's a big thing. Well, it's a balance. It really is. Every day a balance. That is amazing. A scoop and a half of He's pre-workout. He's like the guy, the guy who took too many energy drinks playing video games caffeine that, poisoning yeah. that was davy except he went to a gym the door was locked when they put no clanging weights no shouting in the gym they're talking about davy <laughs> also love how he drove through a hurricane for this <laughs> he drove <laughs> through a hurricane Just pounding for this. weights the whole time so a loss could be considered a win for the ncaa committee looking at one team details next i'm gonna go take some pre-workout <laughs>